Welcome to the Grip City Golf Podcast, your source for new information, insightful interviews, and good old-fashioned banter about golf in Portland, Oregon. Today's episode is presented by Brink and Brown Sanitation. Introducing the hosts of Grip City Golf, Andy Dirk Johnson and Eric Peterson. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Welcome in episode five of the Grip City Golf Podcast. I'm Andy Dirk Johnson, joined as always by my mysterious partner, Eric Peterson. What's up, EP? What's up, man? Good to see you. And Dave, we're back in the studio, not live on location this week. We took a couple weeks off, and I got to be honest, I missed you, dude. I'm glad to be back. <laughs> so we had we were planning on doing an episode uh, last week with the Jones Golf Bros, and there just some scheduling stuff uh, came up, which will happen from time to time in the golf world. World, so we're still low in the pecking order in terms of getting people on. We're like we're so early that we we're asking people to do a, us a favor to some extent, right? Like right. help us build this, and um, sometimes you get squeezed. But they were nice enough to just push it back. They didn't cancel on us altogether. They so. did not. We're still on their schedule, so that will be coming up next week. We got some other fun stuff planned in the weeks to come uh, that we'll we'll keep you in, in the loop with. I'll fully explain this episode and everything we got coming up in episode five here uh, in a moment. Two special guests that I think are. are really cool with local ties and that's what this podcast is all about let's start though with the headline that you and i both saw this week that needs to be discussed so the u.s open is what a month and a half away give or take a right? month about a yeah, month it's away like father's day weekend so like the 11th or some, somewhere around there in june so what happens with the u.s open is uh think tin cup qualifiers go down right and yeah. anybody from all over the country can can qualify one random note on that i actually saw uh danny woodhead remember that run, little running back danny woodhead yes in the nfl so he's trying to qualify for the u.s open he Good shot a him. 71 this week and he advanced to the next stage of qualifying because you do local and then sectional and sectional is the one where like tour players show up that okay. happen to not be in yet they'll be at the sectional but the local is the one where guys like danny woodhead or Good players. <laughs> your microphone goes down. <laughs> Did, We're uh, trying to jimmy rig your microphone and it's not working. This is this is entrepreneurship. <laughs> this is like you start small, stuff breaks. I can't wait to listen back to that as you're talking and then the voice slowly starts fading away. <laughs> so so those local qualifiers though, so you have just really good golfers from a given area usually play in those. Yeah. And some of them, which is cool to hear that a, a former NFL player, does he he doesn't still play in the NFL, does he? I don't believe so. Yeah, so he's but he's obviously a great athlete and he's now moving on to sectional, so good for him. He'll so probably, sectional is the last step for qualifying? Yeah. So it just you got local and then sectional. Exactly. And then if you win or finish at a certain clip, you go to the US Open. Exactly. And the sectionals, again, that's where like the real that's where the cheddar shows up. Like <laughs> I mean serious like, golfers show yeah. up. Not guys like those who finish in last place for their fantasy football league. And that's a story that kind of went viral in the golf world this week. So a, a, a bro I was playing in fantasy football. Are, are you a big fantasy football guy? I'm, I'm not at all. I can't do it. It's too much work. I got to check. It I'm like rooting it, against my own team sometimes. Yeah. It reminds me of bingo. Like you, you don't really have any, there's no strategy. You're just like basically seeing things happen and then you may or may not win. There's a lot of other stuff that I can do, especially now with sports betting picking up. Like totally. you can go and do that, and you, especially how you can just change it every week. You can kind of have a different approach. Yeah, you can't really do that as much with your fantasy team. New parlay every Sunday, new bet, new yeah. this or that, right? Or, so, or this sport you. or that sport. You totally. know, NFL. You're stuck to that. I do think, though, not to poo-poo on it all, 
like I, I think that there's merit to it. It's fun to get together with a group of guys. It's it can be really fun from a camaraderie standpoint, but it's just not something that I've really gotten into. So some people have these leagues that go on year in and year out, and the new trend in fantasy football leagues. And I actually have a buddy who plays in a league like this. They take it very seriously, and there's usually a harsh punishment for whoever finishes in last place. So I've had a buddy, for example, this fantasy league. They do their draft on location every year. They go to Nashville, or they like they all get together and do a fantasy See, that's, football. That's that's awesome. Like that's like, cool. It turns yeah. into a guy's trip, right? Yeah. And whoever finishes in last place the year prior has to do something outrageous at that trip. So I had a buddy finish in last place in his fantasy league. They went to Nashville for the draft. He had to walk around whatever the main strip is in Nashville in a dress. Oh <laughs> so like, like they went out for a night on the town and he had to wear a dress on the night on the town. So this uh, fantasy football league, their last place finisher the punishment was you have to go play in a U.S. Open qualifier. And embarrass yourself. And just totally, because yeah. I don't care how good of a golfer you are, if you're just average Joe, slappy Joe, you're showing up to U.S. qualifier, it, it's going to be a rough day for you. Because totally. Because you're talking primo course conditions and the best of the best that are trying to make the U.S. Open. Yeah, because in order to even be eligible for a local qualifier, you have to have a handicap. I think it's 1.7 or, or something. It's really low. It so has, that's or, the cutoff. It might be 2.4, something like yeah. that. Um, so you have to be really good in order to even have the opportunity to play. <laughs> right. Which begs the question, if this guy's terrible and shot, what did he shoot? He on? shot a 112. So if he, <laughs> if he's bad enough that he would shoot that, how does he have a handicap that would get him in in the first place? So he probably had to goose his handicap just to get in. 100%. And now you're thinking of the ramifications because anybody could do, I could log on to my US Gin app and plug in five straight 68s and my handicap's going to go down even though I'm not shooting five straight 68s. See, I think you're doing the opposite. I think you're going out and shooting a nice little 78 and you're posting an 87 because you want your handicap to stay up high so you can then go in and take everybody's money. So when I'm showing tournaments, hey, I'm back in the single digits, by the way, so I'm fired up about that. Good for you, We're down to a 9-9. We're trending in the right direction. So this bro shows up. He shoots a 112. The story basically reads that whoever it was either him or whoever was caddying for him, which might have been another friend from the league, they walked up to the guys on the first tee and basically apologized like, hey... This is going to be rough. You're in for a long afternoon. We're paying off a bet. And I'm wondering, like, one of the one of the caddies complained a little bit. Like, this is kind of Bush League that this dude's in it. Yeah. Do, fair or foul? Do we like this bet payoff? Like, how do we feel about some random dude showing up when there's probably legitimate golfers in there that are chasing down a lifelong dream of playing in the U.S. Open, and you're stuck playing with some slappy that I believe went 58-54? Yeah. So here, I, there's several things to unpack there. So the... The fact that he had to get a, an illegitimate handicap just to get in, that I, I think that personally is a little bit Bush League when people yeah. post scores that they didn't actually shoot, whether they're um, higher or lower than, than what's real. So and I wouldn't be surprised if the gin thing in his area is going to ban him from uh, having a gin in the future. Me. But then it's like you can just sign up as a different name. It's, that's, like, that's it's pretty easy to get around that. But So it's yeah. still kind of Bush. You know, there's sort of the integrity of it. Is It's yeah. just sort of assumed that you will post what you shoot. So there's that. The second thing is that... That I don't necessarily think that that's a huge punishment to play it to play in that. I mean, wa- like walking down Beale Street or whatever in a dress like that is pretty severe. Like I do not want to finish last in my fantasy league if I have to do that. Right. But if last place gets to do that, it ends up probably being kind of fun. 
I think it depends on what course you're playing too. Like if it's a cool course, you get to go experience. Although I imagine if there's, and I don't know what kind of crowd show up to U.S. Open qualifiers. For some people, that's like speaking in public level of fear, like having to hit a tee shot with crowds lining a tee box. And yeah. I highly doubt that there's that many people there, but there's people walking around the course, you know, following you. So yeah. I think it's just the sheer embarrassment of being around legitimate golfers and shooting that bad of a score. Did you see the scorecard, by the way? I did. So I looked at the, so there's some Somebody posted the whole by whole score because it's officially posted what yeah. this guy shot. And it was hilarious to watch it go like he got on a, a little mini stretch at the end of the back nine where he got it going like two pars <laughs> and three holes or something. Nice. So he held it together. But prior to that, it was like double bogey, triple bogey, uh, whatever six over par is, which I don't know the answer to that. Mm. He got a 10 on a par four. So I'm imagining a couple of balls out of bounds. And then I, I think he followed that with a double bogey before having two pars and three holes. So he, hey, for three holes there, he looked like he'd, he could hang around a little bit. But so like 54, 50. You said I think so, so. Just yeah. consistently terrible. Just across bad. The board. Just a bad round. What do you think you would shoot at a U.S. Open qualifier? Oh man, I don't think I'd break ninety. There, there was some. Uh, there was an article written by some some writer. I feel like a while ago about it was called like breaking ninety, and it, it was basically an article about like would a a decent golfer be able to break ninety or it might have even been a hundred at a U.S. Open venue? So not necessarily a, a qualifying site, but. I think that the line like separates like like exponentially when you get into a really difficult golf course and you see that the best players in the world are still able to keep it around par under par. Yeah. If you're able to play that same exact venue, it just shows you like how far away you are from being one of the best. Because I feel like when people get their handicap down low, you know, like let's say you're around scratch, you're like, you know, I'm a I'm a really good golfer. But then if you put that player against a, a tour player, someone who's consistently one of the best players in the world, and see how far apart those those players are, it's like holy cow, that well, is huge. And we'll get to the but why uh, segment a little bit later on in the show. But it also adds to the type of course that you're playing. Like it's one thing to go out and be a scratch golfer on your local public track that yeah. sure maybe they have fast greens maybe the rough is a little high here or there it's a totally different thing when you show up to a course that is groomed to be a u.s open For qualifier sure. yeah. and you're dealing with greens that are running at a crazy speed and everything's you can't land balls because it's dried out like yeah. that kind of stuff's a whole nother level the the question that you asked me uh through text that got me thinking and i love this so you do feel kind of bad for the guys that were stuck playing with him because they're trying to make a U.S. Open and you got this dude hacking it up left and right for a 112. I would hope at least he played fast in his 112 yeah. and didn't take his time. Like, just grip it, rip it. I got nothing to lose. Well, and you and I have talked before about our pet peeves on the golf course, and I... I I think both of us are in agreement that bad golf, we have no problem with that, but no slow problem. golf. Slow is, golf is... That's that's the problem. Out the window. Don't want to deal with it. You asked the question, does playing with bad golfers... And I think when you're... in this, For our case, let's just use a score like this. Like if you you, you shoot in the 70s usually, uh, you know, I'm kind of a low 80s kind of golfer. We're good. You know, think of yourself if you're listening, a golfer that's shooting in the 80s, maybe low 90s. You're playing with somebody that goes out there and pours in a 115 to 125. Does that does that make you play worse? Does that bring your round down when you play with somebody yeah, like that? I think that it, it would only be if they were really slow or if there was something about how they conducted themselves that was annoying that took my mind away from what I was trying to do. Um, I, I just don't think that, that bad shots alone would cause me to, like it would rub off on me. I think it would be more of their attitude or yeah. if they were really slow. That's what would cause me to kind of go sideways. But you can get... 
people that have a bad attitude or they're slow that are really good players. Totally. And so I don't think the score alone would impact me whatsoever. I think I'd rather play with somebody that shot a 115 that was in a good mood and playing at a quick pace than play with somebody that shot a 74 but was in a crappy mood every bad shot and taking forever. And couldn't you even make the argument that that would make you play better if that really terrible golfer shot their 115 had a but had a great attitude they played fast good perspective maybe that, maybe that would make you play better maybe that would kind of take some pressure off of you a little bit maybe it would make you play better i certainly don't think it's obviously it would make anyone play worse so i don't think that that's even debatable that just the the score alone witnessing someone hitting bad shots would cause me to hit bad shots. I agree with you 100%. I, I'm a big, and maybe we need a new t-shirt idea out of this, like for some vibes. I'm 100% a vibe golfer. Yeah. Like if, I, if I'm in a group that's having fun, drinks are flowing, sunny afternoon, music's playing, no matter what we're shooting, we're feeling good, like everybody's in a happy happy mood, my game is going to be exponentially yeah, better. Yeah, I'm totally the same. As opposed to playing with somebody that's kind of in a bad mood, funky complaining, slamming clubs down after a bad shot. Yeah. Like that stuff brings me down as a player for sure and it just kind of draws the mood down like some of my most enjoyable rounds like it helps when people play better there's no doubt about that but being with people that are just at least in a, in a good mood and smiling and having fun and i think it's one of those lessons that we all learn internally too that don't be that guy yeah. like don't be the guy that brings down the energy of a group because you're pissed about a bad shot or a bad hole or a bad stretch like we're all going to have bad rounds of golf and as Peter Jacobson told us, you chose to be here. Yeah. So have fun. And then maybe you're, you know, that enjoyment will make somebody else play better. And at least there's one positive that afternoon. Well, and that's not even a lot to ask, right? To have a good attitude. Like <laughs> right. you're not asking them to to do anything other than just have a good time. You're in sunshine and drinking beer. Yeah. Have fun. You're hanging out with buddies. So, so while, while I think that it was a little bit sketchy how they slip somebody in with an illegitimate handicap. Um, I, I don't, I don't have any problem with it. If I were there seriously trying to qualify, I would probably laugh on that first tee and I would think it was kind of funny (laughs) and maybe it would kind of break down some of the nerves that I had and make me play better. I just don't think, I definitely don't think that it would just right there automatically mean that I'm going to play worse because I have to play with this guy who's going to shoot a high score. That's a good point about kind of easing the tension on the first tee box. Yeah. If so, like you, imagine the pressure of just random guy that's, a, you know, scratch golfer trying to make a U.S. Open, what he's feeling on that opening tee, and you get some dude that walks up to him and it's like, hey, man, I'm, yeah. uh, I'm sorry. Today's going to get a little sideways. Like, I, I would probably laugh too. Like, all right, well, okay, good luck, man. Like, let me know if you need any pointers. Like, I, I do think that that fantasy team needs to <laughs> needs to work on the penalty for finishing last because I that wouldn't that, that's not severe enough. I think that's kind of fun. I'm I think that, that maybe like the penalty should be you have to caddy for someone in the in a U.S. Open qualifier like Ooh. and carry all the beer, double bag, or you know something that would be physically strenuous that you wouldn't <laughs> want to do. I I don't know. Make it worse than you have to go play because right. I don't think that would be that embarrassing. I Wait, think it'd be fun. I got to go play a round of golf at a yeah. nice course. Yeah. Like who cares if I shoot a one twelve? Man, this is awesome. I'm having a great time. When I was at the Golf Channel in Orlando, <laughs> I had a group of buddies that w- that flew up to New York to play in a U.S. Open qualifier because it was at a really nice club up there. And the the entry fee to get into those things and is not that expensive. 
and it was at a private club, which so they wouldn't be able to play anyways. I don't remember where it was, but there's a lot of really cool old clubs up in in the New York area, and they just made a golf trip out of it. Like that was one day of golf. Is that there were four of them? That's such a I didn't cool get, idea. I didn't get the invite. I was out of town, but um, they yeah they made it into a golf trip, and none of them made it to the sectionals, but sure. they were good players. It was all legit. They had a good time, and that was just one day of a buddy's trip. So. I love that, dude. That's a great idea. Uh, so there you go. There's your uh, opening question of the day. Does playing with bad golfers make you play worse golf? And you can hit us up at Grip City Golf on Twitter. Let, let us know how you feel about that. I think that's our next t-shirt idea. For some vibes. For some vibes. Good for some vibes, baby. <laughs> that's what we all need on the golf course. Good vibes only. Uh, here's what's coming up on this episode. we got a lot of fun to get to. Uh, Kyle and Trevor is going to join us here in a little bit. He is the Director of Regional Sales and Marketing for Kemper Sports. And for those that don't know Kemper Sports, they uh, they are in charge of Heron Lakes and Colwood in the area, two great local institutions. Uh, Colwood's gone through a lot of changes over the last few years. And Heron Lakes, of course, we'll see if he can talk me into playing Heron Lakes Great Blue again. Because you know how I feel about Great Blue. You, I think you've got some scar tissue that it would. I think the best medicine for that would be to go out and play it again and just maybe change your standards a little bit, have a couple trulies, maybe have someone on the first <laughs> tee apologize for how terrible they're about to play, break down the nerves a little bit, and I. Think think that that'll help you appreciate Heron Lakes. Okay, I, I think I think you're right. I need to get out there again. I need to tackle this demon. I need to, you know, me, me and Great Blue need to settle our beef at some yeah. point this summer, and it will happen. We'll talk about it on the pod. So Kylan Trevor is coming up here in a little bit. Uh, to close out the episode, Eric's got another but why question in our new favorite segment, so we'll get to that about golf course conditions, and I think this is one that'll make you think. So we'll explain that and get to that here in a little bit. Uh, let's start, though, with the number one thing I think on golfers' minds right now and certainly, I don't know certainly in Portland. Certainly in Portland, yes, for us and for our audience. And I don't know about you, but this is undoubtedly the number one thing I look at literally every day. My weather app, what's the forecast going to be in the next seven days? Because it has been, and now look, we were we were a little, uh, we, we were teased last spring with a perfect spring where it was just sunny like starting in March and we never saw rain again. It has been awful and people are struggling to get out on the golf course. So I had the idea... Last week we were talking, God, who could we who could we reach out to and all that? And I said, you know what? I, Matt Safino and I follow each other on Twitter. I'm going to send him a DM and see if I can book Matt Safino. And so we're, Matt Safino was first up on the pod. I had to record this the other day. Uh, it's Schedules can be wonky with a podcast. So he hit me up last second and was like, hey, I got a few minutes now. Can you call me in 10 minutes? I texted you. You couldn't make it. But I had you ask, you know, a question to ask Matt Safino. And uh, here is here's my conversation with one of the OG weathermen in the Portland area, who also, by the way, is an avid golfer with some great stories. And is there a light at the end of the tunnel? Here's Matt Safino. Every conversation I've had with local area golfers recently is complaining about how bad the weather's been. And, hey, it's May. This should, we're, we had April showers. Where are our May flowers? We're trying to get out and play some golf. And joining us now is Matt Savino, a KGW weather extraordinaire. Everybody in Portland has their go-to weather guy, and Matt's always been my go-to weather guy. So first off, Matt, thanks for hopping on the podcast. Do, do you feel the weight of being like the bearer of bad news in weather cycles like this? Because I see your tweets, and I got to tell you, man, they they depress me every time I see the forecast from you. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I, I don't really feel that pressure because um, you know I'm in sales, not production. So. <laughs> <That's true>. um, <laughs> I, 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 but I, I do feel everybody's pain. And as a golfer myself, um, I feel that pain as well. I've been trying to get out for the last 
couple weeks and have had very limited success with that. So, um, you know, I totally get it. I feel it personally. Like, I mean, looking outside right now, it's like, okay, come on. Did you just lighten up, you know, for more than a day or an hour? Um, but people are pretty cool about it. And I think, you know, for a little perspective on this, you got to remember that we're coming up in our, in our very recent past in history, meaning last spring, an incredibly dry and incredibly yeah. warm spring. We had so little rain last April and May that it was remarkable. So, you know, people tend to think that, you know, whatever the, the recent past was, that that's what the future is going to be. And in weather and climate, that is definitely not always the case. I mean, <laughs> you've been here a while. I can, I can remember the summers of 2010, 2012. I remember playing at Pumpkin Ridge um, in June of 2010 and looking out at the coast range and just be, be marveling at how much snow was still right. visible in the coast range in June of the summer of 2010. So, you know, we've had springs and summers like this before, although, you know, you mentioned the April showers. That was a whole lot more than showers, my friend. That was record <laughs> rainfall. <laughs> well, and it was, it was snow and hail, too. I mean, I had six inches of snow at my house for a, for a April morning. I'm, you know, I, my, my, my golf course was closed for a week. I, I never thought I'd live through that. Now, your point of... The perspective of last year is fair. I think we all got a little spoiled last year with how good the weather was and everything dried up. And now we're still like car path only, you know, in the, in the middle of May. You mentioned the record rainfall, like historic, like where, where did that end up setting? Because April just felt like it rained every day. Yeah, I got to go back to that snowstorm you just mentioned real quickly, though, <laughs> because I was actually down at Bandon Dunes playing <laughs> that weekend. We drove down Sunday, played Sunday, and got 18 in on the sheep ranch before um, the rain and the wind set in. So that worked out really well. But I knew, I'm like, I told my partner, I'm like, I don't think we're going to play on Monday. And yeah. he was like, oh, come on, it's Bandit. We always play. I'm like, no, seriously, I don't think we're going to play on Monday. It's just going to be awful. And then Sunday night, when it started becoming obvious to me that we're going to have a snowstorm in Portland, I was like, dude, I got to get back. I got to work. And we're right. not going to want to play anyway. So, <laughs> so we cut that trip short. and only got the one round in. Um, now, to your question about April, I mean, it, it ranked as the wettest April we've ever had by a, a well by about a half an inch. I mean, the old record, I think, was 5.26 inches, and we ended up with 5.73 inches of rain in the month of April. So it, it was impressive. And, you know, the thing is, too, it wasn't just April because – Looking at May, of course, now we're into May, we haven't had a May with above average rainfall in like eight years. And we haven't had uh, April and May, back-to-back April and May, that both had above average rainfall since I think 2012. So about 10 years since we've done what we're doing. That is unbelievable. I love the story about Bannon, too. That's like us in sports radio. Like, there's a big blazer trade that goes down. It's like the bat signal goes up. You got to get into the station for you. It's, hey, there's snow. I got to go report on this. It's a big deal when we get snow in Portland, especially, you know, at, at that time of year. So is there any correlation? I mean, you just pointed that April and May aren't usually this wet as, as a combination. Is there any correlation? I mean, I know nothing about weather cycles and patterns and all that of like a carrot at the end of the stick. If we get a wet April and May, does that lead to something else or is it just the randomness of the universe yeah you know the teleconnections uh, if you if i can use a fancy word and that just means you know the analog another fancy word let's if you know basically what i'm trying to say is this no there's no (laughs) indication that what we get in april or may is going to foretell what will happen for the rest of the summer 
Okay. So we could totally turn this around and end up with a heat wave in June, or it could be, you know, the kind of June that is just nasty like this May is. And, you know, you also got to remember, too, like there have been some summers, and, and I, don't, I think the last one that I remember being really awful was, was way back, like 1993. Mm-hmm. But there have been some summers in Portland where it's like, okay, when's summer coming? <laughs> and you're saying that in, you know, the middle of July. Right. So Who's turning the faucet off? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So hopefully that's not the case this year and that we will turn it around, you know, um, soon. Although uh, this general wet, cool pattern that, we're, that we've been dealing with, um, you know, for the last six weeks or so, I don't really see that much of a change to it over the next couple of weeks. So we're going to get some dry time. We're going to get some warmer weather. We'll get a couple of days, you know, where it dries out. But I, I, see, I still see at least the occasional front coming in with rain over the next couple of weeks. So I guess my advice would be um, when it dries out, get out there and, and you know, clean in place. In my book, it's still clean in place time. <laughs> That's right. I don't care if it's posting season, right? We're still uh, we're still playing winter rules out here. Well, that wasn't the good news we were looking for, Matt. So I'm a little uh, a little disappointed by that, but that's why we wanted to bring you on. Let's talk about a more enjoyable subject: uh, your golf game. How did you pick it up? How often do you play? What's your handicap? What's Matt Safino like on the golf course? Well, I'm you know I'm not great. Let's just let me just say that right <laughs> off the bat, but. Um, I, I do love the game. I, I enjoy the game immensely. And um, my handicap um, is somewhere around a 16, 15, 16, okay. somewhere in there, depending on how much, how much I play. Um, and so I, I played – I only played sporadically, like, in high school. I played maybe once or twice with my dad. I, I didn't pick up the game really until I was in my 20s when I moved to Southern Oregon, actually, when I was living – working down in Medford and living in Ashland is when I really started to get the bug and started to play more consistently. Um, so that's when I started to play and I've, you know, I play as much as I can you know, having a kid, as you know, that changes things a bit, but he's taken up the game and he loves golf. So it's super fun to get out and play with him. Um, but, you know, I get down to Bandon as much as I, you know, pre kid, I would get down there several times a year. That, of course, now, now I'm lucky if I get down once a year, which right. is totally great still to be able to get down there. But, I mean, you know, I look at the places I've played, and it's, it's just been so much fun. You know, I, I, love playing, I love playing courses in the western U.S. because they're so interesting because of the terrain we have. I mean, you look at a place like, obviously, Bandon Dunes, but also Chambers Bay. Mm-hmm. You know, totally difficult, difficult golf course for somebody like me anyway. Um, but I still enjoy playing it because it's so interesting. Um, you know, the courses in Central Oregon, they're just fascinating. You have great views. I mean, and I've played Pinehurst. I've played some courses back east, and the tradition is really cool, but I don't know. They, they leave me, just in terms of the layout, I, I find the courses in the west to be more interesting. So, so that's kind of what I like. I love just, I love just being out there. I love being outside, which is one of the reasons why I got into weather. Um, and that's one of the things that I love about golf. Too. Plus, the thing about golf, as you know, it's like no matter how lousy you're playing, you get that one good shot. <laughs> and it brings right. you back. Right. Usually happens on the 18th hole after a really bad round. You hit an approach shot, stuff it, hit a birdie putt. You're like, all right, I'm ready to go another 18. I'm, I'm flushing that last exactly. 17 holes of, uh, of misery. I agree 100% with your point, too. We are really spoiled with golf in this area of Central Oregon. Bandon is the obvious one, but all the courses up in Washington as well. Uh, I'll, I'll get you out yeah. on this one, Matt. What is your favorite uh, public and private course in the surrounding Portland area? 
Yeah, my favorite public course, that's easy because um, it's where I had my ace, and plus I just think it's a beautiful Ooh. course, um, and that's that's Pumpkin Ridge, okay. um, Ghost Creek. Um, Which hole did I you ace? Number 16, the par Ooh, 3. Okay. It was it was actually snowing when I left my house that morning. It was in February. <laughs> um and it was, uh, it was, you know, we saw it hit, we saw it drop. Yes, I had two witnesses, so it's legit. Um, <laughs> but but you know, the last round I played was actually at Pumpkin um, a couple of weeks ago, and I just love that course. I think it's, it's interesting, it's challenging, it's beautiful. I like the fact that you don't have a freeway, you know, or, or busy roads nearby. Right. Um, so it's, in terms of public, definitely Pumpkin in the area. As far as private courses go, um, that's a great, great question, too. Um, boy, I don't play a ton of private courses. So, I mean, I love Witch. Witch is great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've played Waverly. I've played, you know which course I really like that's private is, is the Oswego Lake Country Club course. Okay. Yeah, and that's again, a good pick. And again, yeah, and again, it's because it's so interesting, you know, the ups and the downs and the hills. And all that. Um, and I like I like the Oregon Golf Club as well for much the same reason, although that's a really tough course to walk. Very to very hilly. I was just playing out there this week. That's a, you're going up and down and up and tough approach shots are all elevated. Yeah. Uh, very difficult course. Well, it's always fun to hear somebody in the media world that, that is a big fan of golf and you're into it. So I know that you're struggling with, with all of us as well, looking at that weather <laughs> forecast. Totally. Thinking, ah, can we get <laughs> off a of car path only, please? That would be wonderful. Well, Matt, thanks so much, man, for hopping on. This is a lot of fun to catch up. You didn't bring us the good news that we wanted, but at least we know uh, that maybe there's a, maybe there's a rainbow at the end of this thing and we get some sunshine this summer. We appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. You bet, Eddie. Hit him straight. Well, how about that? Matt Safino with an ace at uh, Pumpkin Ridge. Who would have thunk that he's a great golfer? And I, picturing him being down at Bandon Dunes, a place that you obviously are very familiar with and fond with, and knowing in the back of his mind as a weather guy that, hey, it's going to snow in Portland on Monday and I might need to get back in town and cut this trip short. His buddy's laughing at him like, no, it's not going to be the case. Like, do you know who you're talking to? He's a meteorologist. He knows the weather. Uh, I love that story. An ace at Pumpkin Ridge and being down at Bandon. And uh, he tells us there's, there's no hope in sight. But... Bad weather trends in April and May don't necessarily mean that the summer is going to be terrible. We just don't know yet. So basically, it's going to be horrible the next week or two. Yes. But it it might not be bad the rest of the summer. Maybe. So, like, I think that just you have to, like, let your attitude stay positive and take that for what it is. <laughs> I wish that he could just tell us that he's looking at all of his models and it's going to be perfect from June 1 through August 31st. Like, that would have been nice. You just got to get through two more weeks, guys, and then it's going to be nothing but sunshine, <laughs> yeah. but not the uplifting message we were looking for. But still, Matt Safino, he's a great, he shows up at golf courses in the Northwest, so we'll have to get out and play golf with Matt Safino at some what time. A, what a great guy, man. A great mean, dude. He, that was a lot of fun to talk to him. And uh, thanks again to Matt for the time there. Uh, let's get to Kylan Trevor. So I'll, I'll I'll let you set this one up. We had a chance to catch up with him. He's the director of, of regional sales and marketing at Kemper Sports. But you and Kylan know each other, and it just—it's kind of a, a local company or a company, I should say, that has an impact on the local golf community. Yeah, and so what? What Kemper Sports is the company that manages uh, Coldwood and Heron Lakes. What they're doing that I think is really cool is they took, in partnership with the city of Portland, an old tired golf course that Coldwood was. Um, up until 2014, um, the city of Portland bought it and they, they repurposed some of the land, said, hey, 
um, we're not going to use the same exact footprint that Colwood used to be, but we're going to repurpose some land and make sure that it's available for the public to use. And so Kemper Sports came in and said, all right, well, we'll be your partner in that and making sure that we're helping see that vision through. And what I just think what they've done is cool. They took something that wasn't working, was kind of, or at least was tired, and turned it into something that they brought it energy. And it's a different kind of golf model than your typical 18-hole golf course. But what they've done is just made it so accessible to like good players who want to go work on short shots, which I think that all of us could do more of. Amen. To um, that. But then they also have facilities set up to where you can just bring your kid. You know, you took like Travis Schoen talked about every course has a purpose, which I think is a great mindset. Um, so you can go and take a, your kid there, someone who's never played. They have programs for women to get into golf where it's very approachable, very unintimidating. I just think that what they're doing is something that all courses should do more of, you know, they don't all have the facilities to be able to set up a pitch and putt course like Colwood does, uh, or build a par three course. But I just feel like their mindset of how to grow the game, how to get people playing more often is awesome. And so when, when I was thinking about that and I, and I knew Kylan, um, and knew that he would, he would be on, I, I was like, we got to reach out to him and listen to what he has to say about what's going on at Colwood. So amen to that. It's a great way to set it up. Here's our conversation with Kylan Trevor, the director of regional sales and marketing at Kemper sports. I want to start though, just kind of, for those who don't know, Kemper Sports, what you guys do and the courses you operate and how that all works for you. Yeah, no, first off, thanks for having me uh, on the pod. Love golf, love talking golf, uh, and I'm a local, so love local golf. But uh, Born and raised Milwaukee, do you know that? Milwaukee, you're a Mustang, yeah. huh? Uh, no, I am a oh. Kingsman, Rex Putnam. Ooh, okay, big I know, rivalry. It's a, it's, a common, it's a common thing where I say I'm from Milwaukee, went to high school, he was like, oh, Milwaukee. It's like, no, there's another one there. There's another one right um, there, same neighborhood. <laughs> but yeah, so my role with Kemper Sports, I'm a regional sales marketing director, uh, Kemper Sports, we, you know, golf property management company, we, you know, third party management, we have a lot of courses in that space. We also work with private clubs, private owners, and we also own a handful. Uh, and we're getting more into the resort space and the hospitality and just, you know, we we're good at what we do as far as operating courses and marketing them. And it's a lot of fun. And so in my role, I'm out here on the West Coast. And I help my teams with everything from marketing campaign creation, website design, sales strategy, client relations, just anything in that kind of nebulous sales and marketing space. Uh, you know, I'm taking the lead and helping support my teams. And I've got 16 properties on the West Coast, uh, Washington, Idaho, Arizona, California, Oregon, wow. um, you know, everything from Colwood and Heron Lakes here in town to Chambers Bay, Desert Willow down in Palm Springs, and a ton of other great uh, daily fee in between. Cool. So yeah. There's a lot going on there, man. It's a lot oh. of courses to operate. It's, so, a, it's a lot of fun. Before we get into more stuff on Kemper Sports and what you do, we like to start with some fun and games. Right. Uh, and so we need, we need to learn more about your golf game. Ooh. Okay. So Eric and I will fire these at you. All right. Uh, you, what, what's your home course in the area? Home course when I'm able to play, I got to go with Heron Lakes. Okay. Uh, yeah. You, are you a, a greenback or gray blue guy? Uh, my game is better on greenback, but I like <laughs> gray blue better. Yeah, I mean, greenback is it's less punishing, but gray blue, I mean... Those last four holes, as as daunting as they are, they're also a lot of yeah. fun. Dirt I mean, likes to complain about him and say he doesn't <laughs> like the course, but it's all about how it's terrible. It's all in my head. Yeah, you know, it's those. I you can argue. We've we've had this debate. Those might be the four hardest courses, or excuse me, four hardest holes in a stretch in the entire Portland area. I, I don't disagree. Right? Like I, I mean, mean, maybe I, a stretch at Stone Creek here or there, but it's four of them like that. Brutal, man. It is. Uh, what's your handicap? Uh, I actually don't have one, which shows you how often I play. But if I was see, he to... works in the golf industry. He doesn't play golf. But that that's like a, me. I mean, Eric, you've been in the golf industry yeah. too. That's a common misconception totally. that if you're in the industry, the thing is you have access to all this great yeah. golf. 
and you live it and you work it, but <laughs> right. you don't necessarily get time for yourself. So, uh, I mean, I, I play in a lot of scramble events and you got to give like an estimated. So I'm, I'm bogey golfer. So I don't know, cool. 15 to 18. Okay. All right. Uh, and current driver, irons and putter. Oof. This is, uh, I'm curious to see your guys' reaction on this, but I am rocking 2014 Nike Covert 2.0. Nice. <laughs> the last, uh, the last or second to last line they launched before they stopped doing clubs. And I love those things. They're great. Cool. What about putter? Same. I'm using the Nike oh, method. The, the full deal. Yeah, I've oh. got. Uh, yeah, I was on staff with Nike for a while when I was at Heron Lakes, and I was just like, "Hey, kit me out." I, cool. I haven't had new clubs since high school playing golf, and you know, it's great. So Nike, Love it. you know, driver to putter. <laughs> oh, and it. I take it back. Excuse me. I've got a couple Cleveland wedges. Those were, I guess, hodgepodge thrown okay. in there, and so yeah, not full Nike. Uh, which, you know, I'm not on their staff, so I can say that I play Cleveland uh, Wedges. So th thanks for coming on. We, what we wanted to just jump right into is everyone probably knows a, a little bit about Heron Lakes, a little bit about Colwood, but the story of what of how Camper got involved with Colwood, what Colwood used to be and what it's become, I think is really interesting and maybe something that people don't know as much about. So I was wondering if you can just kind of take us back to 2014 when Colwood was acquired by the city of Portland, how Kemper got involved and what your vision was for that. Yeah, no, it's it's an awesome story and one that I love talking about just because it's, it's probably the coolest thing I've done and one of the coolest things I've done in my career uh, and seeing a, a literally a course take shape and be built from the dirt up. And so... Colwood National used to be an 18-hole course, privately owned, and then uh, back 2014, property sold, and the, the city acquired it, and and in the deal, wanted to retain some of it for green recreational space and golf, and mm -hmm. only there was enough, I think 80 acres, half of that was going to be green, like a green belt mitigation, uh, the north section of the property went to the airport and post office, and then we were left with about 45 acres that the city wanted to make a golf course, and like more of a practice facility. So didn't have space for traditional, you know, an executive course with some par fours, par threes. So it was just a par three was the vision. Nine, nine hole par three course with a driving range, which Colwood didn't used to have a driving range. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, there, there isn't one, you know, Rose City doesn't have a driving range, unfortunately. So in that kind of part of town, it's the only driving range. That's a good point. Um, I don't really think about it. Yeah, in that area. Yeah, you've got to go Heron Lakes or, or Glendevere. Yeah. Um, and, and when it comes to grass tees, you've got Heron Lakes and, and Colwood. Well, I mean, primarily off the the really nice patio we've created now, but there's grass available, you know, parts of the year. But mm -hmm. I've so, heard that the mats at Colwood are some of the best driving range mats you can find in, oh, in town. Oh, it's a okay. little spoiler. You're not wrong. <laughs> I, they make my game, make me feel better about my ball strike, and then I take <laughs> it out on the course. I'm like, wait yeah. a minute, can Hell I just on. take a Colwood mat with me? <laughs> that, that could be another segment, Dirt, is like <laughs> the quality of mats at a driving range, how annoying it can be, and also the quality of the actual golf balls that you're totally. hitting. If, if both of those are crappy, like your practice session goes out the door. Absolutely. You get that like green turf that runs oh, on yeah. the bottom of your clubs For when sure. you're done, you know when you've been in a But if range. you get nice mats and you, you oh, hit down changer. on it and it just feels good, that yeah. makes me want to go there more. It's so Colwood has them. Yeah, no, and so you know, back to your original question, you know, the, the the vision was all the city. You know, they they had the vision of this nine hole par three, this this growing the game facility, and and um, you know, Kemper Sports. We were selected. You know, we we made a good name for ourselves at Heron, and we because at that point you had been at Heron for a little while, not too long, yeah. but at least shown your what you can do there, right? Yeah, I mean, we'd been there probably close to oh, going on ten years. Oh wow, okay. uh, almost. You know, we'd been there for a while, and so you know done some great things out there. And again, we were, we showed that we could help 
achieve the vision were selected and mm -hmm. we took the great idea that the city came up with and we just helped make sure that you know doing it justice by that's so cool telling the story marketing it and and the operation so there's it. so there's a nine hole par three course yeah. and then also like a pitch and putt course right where you can yeah. have events and stuff tell us about that yeah it's a newer addition and uh you know that's something that the team there has done in the last few years after um you know my tenure at the property itself when you know i moved up into this role with Kemper Sports, and it was one of the coolest things when I heard, heard them tell me about it because it was the old 18-hole, and we left there's irrigation lines there, and there was still a practice or a full green that we just would use for lessons. First tee would use it because the first tee uh, has classes that operate out of Colwood. Mm -hmm. And the team there had this idea of like, wait, we're already irrigated, and it's just a big open fairway. Why don't we put that to use? And so they created, a, I think it's a seven-hole, six or seven-hole little pitch and putt track. You can rent it for short game practice. Events have been hosted over there. Um, we moved some of the foot, goal, uh, foot golf holes over there, which, yeah, Cold has foot golf as well. So really a, a non-traditional property in, in a lot of ways. Uh, and it's just a really cool amenity to add uh, to the property. So, I mean, running two different places, you know, listening about Colwood and then thinking about Heron Lakes, two very distinctly different properties. Yeah. What are some of the things uh, that, that you really enjoy about operating and running them? What are some of the pitfalls that you run into? I mean, obviously, Portland Golf has its unique quirks, weather being one of them. But what are some of the things that are, are, are easy or tough to manage about two different, very, very different properties? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're vastly different, but at, at the heart of it, they're the same, right? It's, they're, they're public facilities. Um, you know, I think Portland golf in Portland, uh, you know, especially the public facilities are really, it's a really good program and quality courses. And so between Heron and Colwood, it's, they feed off each other, right? Colwood is a great beginner, get you into the game property, but also it's a great golf course for the core golfer, right? Especially those that live more on the East side, if they want to go practice before they're around at Heron, they can midweek practice at Colwood and they're playing around on, you know, the weekend and Heron, Heron's just a great set of tracks, right? Two vastly different courses. Mm -hmm. One can be quite the challenge. And, and really, at the end of the day, they are different in the layouts and in the length and just in the overall type of golf you play at them. But really, they're not. They're just public facilities that are open to anybody who wants to golf or anybody who wants to come out and just enjoy some green space and a bite to eat, really. Yeah, it's so cool to have to, uh, such a big property in the area that can feature two different 18-hole courses. Like, that's so unique where we're all fighting over land and what can be used for public courses. Like, to have one that has two great 18-hole set tracks, it's, it's really unique in the area. Yeah, Kylan, sure. where it's, so I guess going over to Heron Lakes and just kind of touching on a few things there. We've talked about Heron Lakes in the past. I um, have loved playing there. And that was one of the courses of playing in the PIL. Um, that was one of the courses we played a lot, um, on the golf team in high school. What is it do you think that, uh, about Heron Lakes, you know, you've got Greenback, you've got great blue. Um, is there a different type of golfer that each of those courses are made for? Or like what, what is kind of the vibe over it at Heron Lakes at between those two courses? I mean, that's a great question. I, I think, you know, certain styles of golf, are going to do better on, you know, Great Blue. And I'm talking about not my style of golf. Where does, any, does anyone play really well at Great Blue from all the way back? Or is, I mean, it's so hard that pretty much everybody probably doesn't play as well as they want. I mean, we've hosted some competitive, you know, we yeah. get, so we've had a couple of Wasn't the Publix, the Publix was there like was in 04 or something? 2000, I think. Okay. Or at least yeah. that was the one I know of. And yeah. So, yeah, I mean, definitely you can play the tips and, and it's it's a good track and it's, it's being so a challenge. Hard. But honestly... <laughs> I think both courses, even as even as he were sitting here talking how tough Great Blue is, it really is still a great track. And oh, you can still awesome. have a good time, honestly. So, I think it's the best public course in Portland. 
we've we've actually talked about the best your favorite course in Portland or the best public course in Portland. I think that Pumpkin Ridge, Ghost Creek, great course, but that's mm -hmm. not even really Portland. But I think that the back nine at Great Blue is the best nine hole collection in Portland. Maybe even public private. If they had the budget to make the conditions like on par with Waverly sure. or PGC, I just feel like that nine the back nine at Great Blue is so good. Yeah. It, no, it's a it's a good course, and I think. But you know, we're here. We're talking Great Blue a lot. Greenback is still a great yeah. track, and I will say, Great Blue or Greenback is I've that's where I've had my best score. Um, Same with me. And there you go. <laughs> right. uh, I'm sure those Not are cool. vastly different. They're, the magnitude between your best score and my best score brings out is the probably, best of us, right? Um, but Greenback is still a fun track, and again, it's just that you can play two different style of golf course, uh, courses in the same property, right? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, and then you know, I mean. I'd be remiss in not talking about how fun cold is to play too. I mean, you, you talk about what are what are the cool things about both properties. And I think cold is. I think we all have a preconceived notion of what a par three course is, right? Mm -hmm. Like I grew up playing Sahali, and uh, you know I'm dating myself, but the children's course. I think it's you're not Campbell dating yourself. Sure. Oh, hell yeah! I mean, grew um, up on the children's course. Yeah, that, that's not? his hole right. in one course. Hole in one. I still claim it. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I, I think you know. Go make one at Colwood, Dirt. I need to. I know. I got to get out there. Yeah. So I, I think you know, Colwood is just. It's a lot of fun being able to say that it's it's part of our, you know, the Kemper Sports family and part of the Portland portfolio when we you yeah. know talk about that synergy of. Bouncing back and forth. It's like, hey, Heron's really popular, but we got tea times at Cole, and I'm yeah. looking for an hour. It takes an hour to play nine holes. You can on do it on, on the way to that. PDX to catch exactly. a flight. You know, it's like <laughs> that. You take your wedges and go what, get some So I think yeah, most sure. people know, like, geographically where these places are. But for those who maybe don't, Colwood is on Marine Drive, right? Uh, out Columbia. Near the, Columbia Boulevard, yeah. out near the airport. Um, what is it, do you think, Kylan, that maybe people don't know about Colwood? Maybe some people have just still think it's an old, crusty 18-hole yeah. course. But are there other things about the facility that maybe people don't know about? Yeah, I mean, I think just how... The, the pitch and putt courses, right. I didn't even realize that that's relatively new. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And, and it's something that they've been, you know, promoting a lot. And I think overall, you know, I just mentioned how fun the course is, especially for, you know, not a straight beginner golfer, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, and also just how diverse our programming is and how it's not a traditional course. It's not you're going to come out and you got your, you know, Sunday standing groups, you know, your men's ladies clubs. You, we, we've got our groups, but it's a grow in the game facility at its core. So, I mean, any given weekday, lunchtime, that range is packed with local business. People come in and just want to hit a bucket of balls. Cool. Our, our director of golf there, the programming he's created with junior camps, our ladies groups, um, you know, working with uh, veterans, these other programs that just show how diverse the game really can be. Um, and that's what I think, I, I mean, I don't think as many people realize how yeah. much cool it has going on, that there's literally something for any level of golfer. So I what, love that story. That's great. What do you guys have going on this summer at, at Colwood or Heron Lakes in terms of programs that people should know about? I know you mentioned junior camps. But. Yeah. No, I mean, junior camps and, and just, you know, we do our group lessons. The Yeah Golf PDX is a relatively new program that the city of Portland came up with. And, That's the and, young adults. Yeah. City, it's like, a, program. If you think the OGA that you had the U, U Club back mm -hmm. years ago, it's it's similar to that. It's it's that 19 to 29. It's that, that age group of, you know, those who grew up playing golf, but then the younger group that aren't in like first T now, it, it was that weird gap to yeah. where once you go to college and then it's like, well, I don't have programmed golf anymore or I want it a little <laughs> right. more affordable. And so mom and dad aren't paying for it anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I fall right in that category, yeah. but then I got in the industry. I'm like, okay, it's back. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I think that program is really cool of taking, uh, again, another instance of taking a, a, you know, the city of Portland's idea and just running with it and, and scaling up and marketing it. And it's, 
I think they're approaching almost 2,000 members this wow. year. It's it's grown. Uh, so that's a cool program. And honestly, I just think the non-golf. Uh, you know, Cole would host the Vanport Jazz Fest. Uh, it's coming back this year, you know. with When with, is that? It's, uh, I mean, oh, don't quote me on that. It's going to be late summer. I mean, <laughs> Late summer, okay. Uh, g- we'll give yourself some time for some weather to turn exactly, around. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But, you know, and, and last year, um, you know, our team there hosted a new event at Seltzerland. It was a seltzer kind of think brew fest but with seltzer and there was you know just it's getting people out to the facility and not realizing love it green grass golf courses have a lot more than just hitting balls or playing the course you can get food you can get some fresh air and hey you want to pick up a putter and roll a few putts it's right. fun so let me get this straight so dirt I'm, I'm looking at you here so you've made your ace at the children's course so children's you course, obviously yep. have a soft spot in your heart for par three courses okay Colwood checks that box yeah there's a seltzer fest this summer. It's all it's it ever was in last my bag. Summer. Last I think summer. they're working to bring it back, but okay. I, just to highlight the fact. Do you of, need a yeah. spokesperson for this? I'm because, here, man. If you need a voice, so Colin, I'm here. Just, the marketing <laughs> manager. <laughs> Colin, his name's Jerry. We, we've talked in the past about like you know, are you a Coors Light guy or an IPA guy in the course? And and Dirt is a big, truly seltzer water guy. That's what you do. You got to keep it light. And in which the summer, I think a lot man. of a lot of people would agree with. But I mean, I've never even heard of Seltzer Fest. I hope it comes back. I love all the different events that you can have out there. It's so cool and unique. I love to like something that we're passionate about is the youth impact that you can make for sure. because, you know, I know for Eric and me you know, growing up around East Moreland, going to youth camps in mm-hmm. the summer and then him working at them down the road, like pl- playing the children's course. Like how big of a deal is that for you guys at Kemper? And especially at a place where it's a par three course, it's a chip and putt kind of area yeah. that those are aspects that, you know, any five-year-old could pick up and go do and have fun with. I mean, right. how, how big of a, of a youth impact do you guys try and make? Oh, a, a tremendous impact. I mean, we've we've hosted, you know, free junior days. Again, something, a city idea. We've done that. We've worked with uh, the Portland Police Bureau with their youth. Um, I, I'm blanking on the name of the The, the camp. Sunshine Division. Uh, no, well, we've done Sunshine mm-hmm. Sunshine Division events, but this okay. is, um, it, they used to go out to Greenlee. It's, it's a camp, camp Rosenbaum, gotcha, I believe. Okay. It's, so, and then we were a first tee facility. Um, you know, they had offices out, out of our property for a while. Um, the junior, I mean, our our director of golf, Jake Bader at Colwood. Who won. used to work at East Moreland, by the way. Jake. Oh, okay. Shout out, shout out to Jake. Yeah. There we go. Uh, he <laughs> just received the, the or Colwood, I guess, uh, under his programming and the support of the instructional team there, uh, the NCGOA uh, National Player Development Award for 2021. And so, so cool. juniors are big there. Uh, getting women into the game is big there. Uh, you know, underserved, underrepresented communities at the course, you know, we've worked with Western States Golf Association, and that aligns with Kemper Sports. I mean, we have our player development month programming that our entire portfolio teams mm-hmm. um, roll out. Colwood not being um, excluded from that. They've taken it and ran with it. And the, recently, I think it's about a year ago now, the Make Golf Your Thing, if you two have heard of that. It's yeah. the, you know, the PGA of America, PGA Tour, and Kemper Sports was a founding member of it. And it's just more about diversity and inclusion. And really, it's, yeah. hey, just come as you are. Wear a hoodie on the golf course, you know, listen to your music at a a respectable level and just introduce the game without these barriers. The barriers entries were unrealistically high because of maybe tradition and and rules and just realizing rules are great. But if somebody's new to the game, just let them experience walking the course and gripping a club and don't tell them you have to do this and you have to do that. Just let them be. There's a big push, I think, to to make golf fun, make it enjoyable. 100%. For youth, not wearing slacks and a button-up. And, you know, just go have fun on the totally. course, listen to music. It's sunshine. You're hanging out with yeah. friends. Like, there's a positive impact that you can have there for sure. And, yeah, Cold embraces that, and that's a, a Kemper sports thing as well that, you know, we across our entire portfolio. And, and you know, we talk hyper-local here in Portland. Colwood, Heron Lakes, and, and the other Portland courses as well. You know, yeah. definitely big on youth, but knowing Cold as well as I do, it's a youth and it's a new-to-the-game and it's a 
just it's serving the underrepresented communities in the golf industry. Now, let me uh, confirming. Uh, Chambers Bay is also a Kemper Sports property, correct? Correct. Okay, so I, we had a listener. We, we always ask for questions of sure. you know stuff you want to bring up. Now, I don't know about you, Eric, because I, I, we could have gotten to this later, but I, I haven't played much oh. Seattle area golf, and I've never been up to Chambers Bay. So he wanted to know, like, just talk about the impact that you know Seattle golf can have, and it's a short drive, obviously, for people in the Portland area. Yeah. So on that, just the impact that Chambers Bay has had and what it was like being a part of a U.S. Open. I mean, that had to have been crazy. Yeah, and I mean, and, and fortunately, I, I can't fully speak because that was, uh, you know, we hosted that prior to me being in the role now, yeah, but I was still with the company at, at the property level, and yeah, it definitely is a big, um, big boost, and it's a big kind of beacon we like to champion, and they've hosted a ton of other competitive mm-hmm. champions and championship events, excuse me, and, and yeah, it being close and vice versa. We've got a great relationship, the Heron and uh, Chambers team, if you haven't played, I mean, you got to play. It's I've, worth I've, the drive. I, oh, yeah. it's worth. I played once, and it. I mean, I don't know if we have time for the story. I can give you a quick one, but it was w- one of the craziest golf experiences of my life. Uh, if you'll humor me, just twenty seconds. Oh, I was playing yeah, with, it's podcast, uh, man. There's no commercial breaks. Perfect. <laughs> uh, was playing with uh, my colleague uh, Matt Allen, uh, up who operates out of there, and then uh, Akbar Christie from Seamus Golf, and then uh, Vincent Johnson. Um, mm-hmm. who's now with Portland Public Golf, and uh, we we went up and just had a great day. And uh, those three are really good golfers, if you didn't know. <laughs> single handicap, uh, single-digit handicap, members at great clubs. And I don't have an official handicap. <laughs> I probably hadn't played in like four months at this point, middle of summer. And we get there, and I, I'm first to tee off. I'm like, I've got nothing to prove. I'm going to play the white tees. And then yeah. somebody's like, hey, what do you want to play? And they're like, oh, we're going to play the tips. And me being me, relatively newer in my role and being like, you know what? I'm going to have fun regardless, but I don't want them to have to wait for me every time. So I played Chambers from the Tips with three oh, wow. single handicap golfers. <laughs> I shot a 105, okay. and I walked that's 10 miles when I looked at my, wow. my watch at the end of the day. And that's because I was either in the left waist or the right waist <laughs> and probably 60, 70 yards before every other shot. Well, so. and that course is a long walk as it is if you're hitting yeah. it down the middle. But, but no, that was, that was my chamber story. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a great property. And and, and honestly, uh, same uh, RTJ, uh, too, designed Chambers Bay or helped and mm-hmm. Heron Lakes Great Blue as well. So it's cool to have and that like, connection. Yeah, it's really cool. Kemper Sports, and you guys are good at building relationships with municipalities and the way that the relationship with Pierce County came together and bringing that U.S. Open there there's a lot of cool stuff that happened that didn't happen without a lot of work and partnership. And sure. um, just in, in my experience in the golf business and having used to work at Bandon, I was I remember hearing stories about how that U.S. Open happened, and it was they they created something incredible out of nothing. That was a gravel pit. You know, it was an old right. concrete cement mine. You know, they say the city of Portland or sorry, the city of Seattle was built with concrete that came from that site, the entire city, That's downtown. Wild. Yeah, and I'd... it was a, it, but it was a wasteland, right? And so the RTJ came in, like had the vision for it. Kemper got involved, said we can manage it. The USGA got involved saying, we want to bring a, a US Open here. It was all of a sudden like, boom, this is real. This is happening. And it's such a cool course. It's, yeah. it's beautiful. The views, um, it's, yeah. it's a great place. Yeah. And I, I again, I, that was before my tenure, but I can't really speak to it. But I, the relationship part you mentioned is we build relationships, and that's what our industry, that's what our company is. It, we build relationships. Like it's a partnership. We're we're in it to help, and we we need to elevate. You know, if we're both doing well, 
That's the goal, right? Right. It's, it's all about relationships. It's funny when you're when you're in the golf bubble, you you get to know people and talk about those relationships. It's just fun. It's kind of a unique niche crowd of people, and For sure. we're always looking to grow the umbrella and be more people involved, and you know, at the youth level and all that. But uh, great relationships created. So we like to close these with a segment we call "Driver Off the Deck." Okay. Okay. So we're gonna fire these at you, uh, and I'm not gonna let you pick one of your babies. You got to go outside of that. Favorite oh. course in Portland, other than Colwood and Heron. Oh. I mean, like I said earlier, we're we're Portland's a hotbed for good quality golf in the Portland area, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna make a request. Can we do Portland adjacent, like sure, metro area? Because yeah. I live live in South South County, grew up there, and so growing up, um, honestly, Oregon City Golf Club, and and reason being is that's the okay. course I learned to play. My grandfather, uh, you know, rest in peace, he taught me how to play the game when I was nine. So that course has a soft spot in my heart, um, even if it's not in the best of conditions always. Uh, close second, I'd say Stone Creek, just because of proximity to my house, and right. it's a good course. Having it be that close yeah. for sure. But uh, Heron and Colwood, I mean, if I'm if I have time to play and I get a chance to sneak away, that's I got a little go. I got a little dude now, so it's harder to golf. I'm going to <laughs> yeah, one of those right. too. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Dirt, love Dirt's that. a big Stone Creek guy. Love what, Stone Creek. What about the funnest round you've ever played in Portland or or elsewhere? Just give us a sense of a fun round. I mean, honestly, I'm a I'm a firm believer of any round of golf I play is the. Oh come on! The, I know, I know, I know that's a cliche answer. <laughs> you did uh, tell the, just tell the story about Chambers, but, but shooting 105 maybe that wasn't no, the funnest. No, it was it was fun. Um, I'd say honestly, you know, took some of my family and my wife down to Desert Willow, uh, down in Palm Desert, California. It's an amazing mm-hmm. property, it, one that we support or manage, and I support. Uh, just getting to play with my family down there. Uh, I'm lucky enough. I've Blessed to have played a lot of cool courses in this role. Stream song with my regional marketing team is up there just because that was right at the end of the pandemic. We hadn't seen each other in a while. And just to get together and just play around a golf. Yeah. Um, Talk about another site that was nothing that turned into right. something. It, there's a pattern. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I'd say, you know, those are up there. And again, really just golfing with any of my friends or family. I don't care where we're playing as long as it's a good time. The weather's nice and you know, the yeah, beer is going, cold, cold beverage is yeah, going. Exactly. You mentioned your lowest round was at Greenback. Uh, what is, what's the low round score? Uh, like I said, it's going to be, you know, vastly different from uh, Eric's low round, but it, it is a 90. I, I don't okay. keep score often, but, and I plan a lot of scramble, like, you know, fun charity events. Sure. And so score doesn't matter, but 90, I'm still searching to break 90. Okay. I'm hoping this is the summer. I think you summer. can do it. I, I look, I, you got to play though, Kylan, you got to prioritize. Get you I, I know. Trust He's, me. Dirt's a huge Stone Creek guy. So if you ever line up around there, you call him. He'll okay. It is funny too, how everybody we talk to in the golf world, you, you have this perception of you work in golf, you get to play golf every yeah. day. And it's so funny. Everybody we've talked to, it's been the exact opposite. Like, no, I mean, I wish I could play more. I watch other people play or I right. help manage a course, but I'm, I'm not playing. It's like, dude, you manage golf courses. Get out there. I'd play every day. It's uh, what you think, right? If you, you would work think, in the yeah, industry. For sure. Uh, have you made any aces? No, I'm still okay, I'm still no on ace. that hunt. Colwood was the closest. I've I've been two or three times there. You know, I've, I've hit the pin and it checked up to a few inches. I had oh. one lip out. I mean, uh, I think I just got to play Colwood more because I think you know law of averages or, <laughs> right. or whatever. It's a it's bound to happen, right? <laughs> you're playing a par three course, right? You got better more cracks. You got, at you got it. nine at least nine, depending on how how many holes you're playing. So besides lip outs on almost holes in one, what are your biggest Golfing pet peeves. Oof. Oh, that's a tough question. Or is it, maybe there's yeah. a rule that annoys you. You know, I mean, just something I, that I really, you're like, come on. I'm not a big rule guy. Like, I don't know the manual front to back. You know, I'm I'm out to have a good time. I, you know, like I said, if I'm golfing, you know, with friends or my wife, I'm not keeping scores. It's just a good time. But as far as a pet peeve, I think 
couple come to mind, but one really sticks out is calling the forward tees the ladies' tee, especially saying with such disdain. Because I golf with my wife often. I've got a lot of colleagues um, who are very talented XD1 uh, women golfers. And anytime I hear referred to as the ladies' tee, just it grinds my gears. It's, they're the forward Interesting. tees. Interesting, okay. I play that, the that's a good tees. point. I agree that with is. that totally. And, and, and that doesn't get talked about a lot. It's but ingrained I, in I our minds, I feel like, at a yeah. young age, that you just it's like an automatic right. you know, reflection. And and I think I think what bothers me more than to expand from that is just it's this golf sometimes takes itself too seriously. Like you can respect the game of golf. You know, I respect mm-hmm. the game of golf, but I also like not wearing a polo and listening to music and or bringing out new golfers. And I don't want to be criticized or judged or I don't want the people I'm playing with to feel uncomfortable with a game that I love and a, a courses that really are meant for everybody. So I think that's my biggest pet peeve is just making it more fun and not taking ourselves and I'm saying ourselves like the game of golf too the general seriously. We. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Taking it too seriously and just the more people playing the better it is for golf long term. Interesting. Okay, I, I didn't see that coming, but that's a good point. Because yeah. usually when we ask that question, it's you know pace of play or fixing divots, or you know it's a little stuff that right. you you notice. But the the T thing, I never really thought about that. I love that. Yeah, and I, I think it's just the company I keep and who I play with, you know, yeah. and just and being in the industry long, you know, I've heard so many different comments in clubhouses or whatever. That's just like, that's not what the game I grew up playing. That's not what I was raised to believe the game was. And working in the industry and seeing what my properties do really well and how we embrace it as a company. It's just something I think more people need to do. Yeah. So you mentioned music on the course and, and you know, backwards hats and just having fun casual. Dirt and I are totally like that. I'm curious, do you have, talking about music, yeah. do you have a, like a, if you were playing in the Ryder Cup and you wanted a walk-up song for your tee shot, <laughs> oh, what, what's, what song would that be? Are you a Metallica guy? Do you go Tom Petty? <laughs> no, I mean, ooh, Tom Petty, that's, that's on a ton of my playlist, but a walk-up song? Oh, man, that is... You're playing in the Ryder Cup. Yeah, it's, a, it's at Heron Cup. Lakes this year. Great blue. First tee. Next on the tee, Kylan Trevor. Oh, Play the song. Um, <laughs> honestly, I'm blanking. I listen to a lot of good music, and I can't pick just one. I mean, probably a block party song. I think it's Adele. A it's Adele, and you just don't want to say it, right? Is it Adele? I mean, if you had my wife on here, yeah. And yeah. if I mean, maybe I should say Adele. I mean, hello, <laughs> hello would be great. I mean, that, <laughs> is that bumping right as you're walking. Hello. Great, uh, <laughs> hey, dude. You get but the no, crowd fired up. Probably, I mean, for anybody who knows, the song Helicopter by Block Party, the first couple of okay. bars in the intro is just, it's, it's, it's a hype song. It's what I listened to before <laughs> playing soccer back in the day. So I, I'll go with that. Classic. Cool. <laughs> I love it. My co-host, uh, I'm going to ask this for him because he, he's going to be humble here. He's gonna, He wants to launch a T-shirt. Okay. Because his lowest uh, golf round of all time came at Greenback, as we highlighted. Yeah. And he from, got, from the white tees. And talking about the tee the shaming that exists in golf, we don't want to tee. Like, we're big proponents of that. Like, play whatever tee yeah. you feel comfortable playing, right? Yeah. So he highlighted that his lowest round came at Greenback, and it came at the white tees. And people gave him a hard time about it. Cause it's like, uh, what, like, what are we doing here, man? Who cares what tees you're playing? People were trying to say it's not official. I'm like, like get the hell out of here, yeah. right? So he wants to make okay. a t-shirt that says "Greenback White Tees Cash Money." Love it. And I think we need to put that in the uh, Heron Lakes Golf Shop. What do we think? I mean, I don't. Uh, you're gonna have to talk to the merch team over there. That's not anything <laughs> I have authority over. But as as a golfer and as a fellow, you know, Portlander, I like the idea. Greenback White Tees. Cash money. I think people would buy that. I so I would buy one. <laughs> you don't have to sell me on it, but you, I, 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 I can, I can put you I'm in not, contact I'm with not, the merch team. And I'm not looking to make any money on it. We can give all the profits to charity, or we can just sell them for a price that there's literally no profit. I don't sure. care. I just want to spread the gospel that the white tees are okay. Love it. 
love I love it. it, man. Well, Kyle and Trevor, uh, thanks for hopping on, man. This was fun. Continued success at Colwood, at Heron Lakes, two great properties in the Portland area. Great for golf in the area. And uh, we really appreciate the time, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks, man. So I think it's settled. We're going to get out, and I'm going to tackle my demon at Great Blue. We'll get Kylan out there at some point, and it's going to happen. This relationship can be mended. It can be repaired. It's going to take time. It's going to take effort on both sides. But I, I think there's a common ground that me and Great Blue can get to uh, on the golf course at some point this summer. And if you can't play Great Blue, play Greenback because it's more approachable. It's a it little is. bit easier. But I have I, no beef with Greenback at all. None, no yeah. beef at all with Greenback. They're they're both. I, I, I mean, it's awesome that not only is there a 36-hole facility in Portland, but you've got two contrasting golf courses. They're both full length, um, but one's a little easier, one's a little more challenging. They're totally different style of golf. You know, Greenback is more of a Parkland style, uh, whereas uh, Great Blue is more of a linksy style, so to speak, with just a lot of bunkers and um, shot shaping and big greens and things like that. But yeah, I, th- I just think that what's going on at, at Colwood is is awesome for the game of golf. And then to have Kemper also overseeing uh, what's going on at Heron Lakes. Those are two great properties. They're near each other. They're very accessible to all for, to all people around Portland. Um, so I, I just love what's going on at both those courses. It was funny too, talking about the mats at driving range. It's something that's yeah. on the top of everybody's mind right now because none of the grass ranges are probably letting you hit on grass because yeah. of how bad the weather's been. Uh, and it's just, it, it's a, a interesting point too about the range at Colwood that there's just not a lot of rain. You don't really think about that, like in that area of town. And so for those of you who are over there, it's a great place to go. And you highlighted it before we brought them on, but the idea of working on your short game, man, it, it is amazing to me the impact from 50 yards in oh, man. can have on your handicap. I legitimately had a round at Persimmon a week and a half ago, went out and played on a Tuesday after the radio show, had nothing going on. I was like, I'm going to go play golf. I shot a 40 on the front nine with 20 putts. 20? 20 putts. I shot a 40 on the front Are nine. Are you and your putter still married? Uh, we're still. It's a new putter. It's, I got a new Scotty, so I'm changing up my Scotty okay. feel a little bit. And uh, it was one of those moments of like, yeah, striking the ball great, but three putt, three three putts and nothing yeah. but two putts essentially on the front nine. Well, and, and then not, not only putting, but also like you mentioned, like those those shots 50 yards and in. There's a lot of shots, that a lot of different types of shots you can have from that distance and in. And like they say, drive for show, putt for dough. And like yep. I just think that the short game is a huge part of our game. But it's so much more fun to go bang balls, right? <laughs> yeah, and so so we, take your driver out and see, if, yeah. I'm going to hit the back net a couple of times. Yeah. It's a lot more enjoyable, right? But yeah, big reason why I'm three putting is because my I'm not putting chips that are 50 yards off the green within 10 feet. Imagine then I can make how much, imagine, you know, you're talking about your handicap now below 10. Imagine how quickly it'd go down even more if you were getting up and down routinely from inside 50 yards. I, I mean, you're sinking. I'm, I'm a 9-9. Nine, nine, I'd be down to a 7 yeah. in two weeks if if you were consistently good from that area. It sounds so easy, but we're still not going to go out and do it. But I do think that seriously, like to tie it back to Colwood, like the accessibility of that place, it doesn't take a lot of time to, you know, you can go work on your short game for 30 minutes on the way to the airport. I mean, you like it doesn't take a lot of time. It makes you better. It's like it sounds so simple the playbook is right in front of us to right there. improve there but a lot of us just can't for whatever reason do it and, and so, myself included <laughs> we're all that way as golfers i was in a, i got invited to go play in a just a, a scramble on, on monday at oregon golf club and it was fun to get back out i'd only played oregon golf club one time so it was fun to be out there and it was funny our scramble team we had pretty good three pretty good golfers in the group one guy a single digit handicap actually two of us now single digits you know all of us you know pretty good sticks 
And we all, though, unfortunately had the exact same golf game where we were, I think we used the majority of my drives and I, I had one of the best driving days I've had in a long time, nice. but anything around the green, we couldn't put it within 10 feet and make a birdie putt. And we only yeah. finished at six under, Jeez. but we were perfect off the tee, literally on every hole, but couldn't finish with making putts yeah. and making chips. So it's what we all need to work on a little bit more. Go to Colwood. And yes, I will, I will tackle my demons at Great Blue at some point this summer. Um, we'll, we'll close with a little PGA championship preview because that is coming up next week. And then listener questions, which we have on Twitter. I'll bring those up in a moment, but, but why is our new fan favorite segment but why it's the people are raving about but why (laughs) they need more but why in their life and you have a new but why this week that you want to throw to the audience yeah so my my big question this week dirt is why golfers use augusta national as their standard for golf course maintenance first of all is thick and juicy really better than brown and fast and even if it were is it fair for us to expect our home golf course to use their maintenance budget to create what happens at Augusta? And it, it just doesn't seem like that's fair. And and I and then I even wondered, well, is like thick, ripe, juicy, clear-cut mow lines, is that really what golf is meant to be? And, and is it really what we want golf to be? And I just don't think it is. And so I was like, all right, well, in fairness to both sides of the argument here, let's just go through a quick like pros and cons of... I, I keep calling it thick and juicy, but like that's what I think of <laughs> I love that when line. I think of like uh, an Augusta type course, or, or or just picture like the a golf course that you've played that is just in perfect shape. Um, so I, I just wanted to kind of outline the the pros and cons of either side. So thick and juicy needs to be a new T-shirt. Yeah, <laughs> oh, man. we have too many T-shirt ideas. All right, so thick and juicy. You've got perfect lies. Mm-hmm. You've got um, clean mow lines. The bunkers are all trimmed. Like you look at a hole and you're like, that looks really pretty. Okay, that's one of the. the those are some of the pros of thick and juicy. The cons are that you have less roll. Um, there's less creativity into the greens. You know, we talk about those 50 yard shots. If it's the, like kind of that Augusta type course, it's pretty much like, like get yardage, hit shot. There's no thought about what type of shot to hit most of the time. Right. Um, the pros of firm and fast are more roll. And I think that you would agree that people like to hit it farther. We right? want to hit the ball as far as we I mean, can. Just, so like you're getting more roll that way. There's more creativity. This is kind of the opposite of the others, but you, there's more creativity on those shots. Like I think that as human beings, we tend to like when there's more than one way to get from point A to point B. And sometimes people like you know golf, like let's make it simpler. And like maybe it's better if you just hit the, 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 a certain shot from a certain yardage every single time. But I think most people think it's kind of fun to hit different shots, right? So the, I think that the cons to, to um, firm and fast are that obviously it's brown instead of green. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you don't like browned out, that, then that's one of the drawbacks. Not as picturesque when you're looking out on the yeah. course. And, and then like there's blurry lines between the fairway and the rough or between the, the fringe and the green. Um, so you don't have those clean cut lines. And so if you're not, if you're into that, you're not going to get that with firm and fast. So when I sort of like try to wrap all those together, I, I personally believe that firm and fast is better than thick and juicy. And, um, I mean, I like my steak thick and juicy, but (laughs) I just, I just don't think my, and that's not to say I don't like golf courses that way, but I don't think that it has to be that way all the time. And obviously what's going on at Bannon Dunes is proof that you, that it doesn't, that people don't necessarily want that. So I just don't think it's fair from a, you're not comparing apples to apples from a um, maintenance budget standpoint. Um, 
you're, it's, there's just so many different things that it's not fair to see yourself and to set your expectations that high. But then I just also don't think that it's even better just on the surface. So that was my, but why I get going on these tangents, I start thinking about stuff. <laughs> Dude, I love it, man. And I just don't think that um, it's debatable. I think that, that firm and fast is better. And I don't think it's fair for people to expect their golf course to be like Augusta. So it, it's that's my ne- mic drop. It's de- There's your mic drop moment. It's definitely not anybody who th- watches the Masters and thinks my home course should look like that is an idiot that's never going to happen uh even the nicest country clubs in the area you're not going to get that i mean you're talking about as pristine as you can possibly be they spray paint stuff they have heaters underneath their azaleas like it's just you're not going to be able to top that right uh and we all know all the backstories and the rumors about augusta and the crazy stuff that goes on to get that course into the condition that it is when you watch it on tv i almost feel like there's two different questions at hand one is i think we feel this way about augusta because it's the most aesthetically pleasing to see on television and we almost equate that to that's what a golf course should look like because you you see it and there's birds chirping, again the azaleas are blooming, it's pristine, it's green, it's just every there's not a blade of grass out of place. And you and I, you and I have both been there, and it's the same thing when you're on the grounds. Yeah, even, probably even more beautiful than you thought it was. Without be. a doubt, you walk around, you're just like, oh my god, this yeah. place li- literally lives up to the hype, which is crazy because you think at some point there's going to be a disappointment or a patch of brown or you yeah. know one <laughs> divot yeah. that didn't get replaced, and there's just there's not. None. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Um, but there, there's the follow the the offshoot of that is. What type of golf course do you prefer to play? And I love that kind of question. And I think this is the beautiful thing about golf. And this is why, you know, major championship season rolling around where you go from Augusta at the first major. We'll get the PGA at Southern Hills next week. And I don't know a lot about Southern Hills, but I've seen highlights from the, the last time the PGA was there. And then you get a, a U.S. Open where traditionally you can kind of go either way, whether you want to go fast and firm or, a you know, a more luscious kind of course that, you know, they're always firm, but you can play different styles. We, there's always been a, a U.S. Open at Chambers Bay, as we were just talking about. Right. And then you get an open championship that is more link style, fast and firm, brown spots. Ball's going to run out like crazy, wind blowing. Um, and, and I think it's a fun question to ask of what style of golf do you prefer? And I thought it was interesting when Tiger finished the Masters. His his quote about he's going to be at St. Andrews at the Open Championship this summer because it's his favorite golf course. Then when you think of Tiger and all the success he's had at Augusta, I would have just figured that was his like that was the mecca of golf for him. He broke through in '97, the comeback win in 2019. Like that has to be his favorite place. But he said no, St. Andrews is my favorite golf course on the world and or in the world. And a lot of that is the history there for sure. But I'm sure part of it for him is the style, the fast and firm. It's just a totally different game. So I think it highlights what is so awesome about golf. Getting back to the Travis quote from a few episodes ago, every course provides something different. I tend to agree with you that if I'm choosing a course to play, it might not be aesthetically pleasing as a lush green, kind of slower fairway, slower green course, but giving me fast and firm and allowing me to play different bump and runs, get more rollout on my drives, uh, Link Style to me provides a lot more creativity and options that... I love about the game of golf that it's not walking up to my approach shot and thinking, okay, I'm 112 yards out. I'm going to hit my 56 degree iron. As long as I hit it 112 or my 56 degree wedge, as long as I hit it 112, I'm on the green. I have to think about, okay, well, that green slopes this way and this way. And there's a little bit of wind in my face. I could bump and run a seven iron up there, a little quarter swing. Like you can get far more creative. And, and I tend to agree with you. Aesthetically pleasing. Of course you go thick and juicy because you look at it on TV and it's, oh my God, that looks perfect. But for playing, I think I go fast and firm. Yeah. And I agree with all that. And then I also just go back to a big factor of this debate of which one should be in fairness to 
budgets. And is it fair to want your course to be like Augusta when you're, you're, the, your agronomy budget isn't anywhere in the same galaxy. <laughs> no, and no. so why why do we expect that? And I just don't think it's a fair comparison in terms of the cost of and the water usage too. You know, I, I'm not totally. like I don't get super into the environmental piece of it, but certainly the amount of water you're using has an impact. But like, just even just take the dollars and cents of it. Like, if it's really expensive to make it like that, courses can't afford to do that, and and they would pass the cost of it over to to golfers, right? So if it costs if water costs go up, they're going to pass mm-hmm. that to the golfer. So I just feel like there's a lot of reasons why it makes more sense financially, environmentally. Um, I just think that it's more it's more fun to hit those creative shots like you're talking about. You start adding up all these reasons why firm and fast is better. And to me, it outweighs the the other side of it. I think we need to throw this poll question out there with thick and juicy in there and not fully explaining until somebody listens yeah. to the podcast <laughs> what thick and juicy is. What do you prefer, firm and fast or thick and juicy? That's when I, when I say thick and juicy, what's the first thing that you think of? You know, it's like, oh, I think of golf courses. <laughs> exactly, right? I think of fairways and greens, man. That's what I'm thinking about. So there you go. There's your butt why for the week. I love that. We'll keep doing that segment because listeners demand it. So you got to you gotta keep bringing it back. Um, let's get to, before we'll close up with just a couple of storylines from the PGA that we have our eye on for next week at Southern Hills. Uh, let's get to a couple of listener questions. I asked for these at Grip City Golf on Twitter. And so hit us up. We love the suggestions that you guys have. And I, I usually just kick these to Eric because he knows a lot more about stuff than I do. And so that's what I'm going to do here. Taylor uh, at Diesel Rawlings, uh, good P1 and uh, somebody I'm going to see out of Persimmon here soon. He asked me uh, and you, Eric, all my buddies and I picked up golf late in college or after college. Should golf be doing more to attract young players? Should golf go the same way as baseball, softball with club teams throughout the summer? That's an awesome question. And I think that there are things that are happening that it, to, to try to address that, that problem. Um, there's golf leagues that are, that are starting up, uh, whether it be at the local level or the national level. Actually, I have a good friend who has a league called Spark Golf that um, he's out of Orlando, but they have a league here in Portland where you can sign up and do exactly what we're talking about, like get out and find a partner and then play with other, other partners. It's a two-person game um, that you can play against another twosome. Um, I just think that anything that you can do to break down the seriousness and the individuality of it, because golf is an individual sport, right? Mm-hmm. But if you can um, build a component in where you have a teammate, you know, scrambles are kind of like this. Like they're very yeah. approachable because you can be terrible and play with three other people in a very easy format. And those rounds often end up being a lot of fun. But then you put the clubs in your garage after that, if you even had a set of clubs to play in a <laughs> scramble, and then you don't play as much. So there's other things that you can do to scratch the itch and get into it. I think that to me, the, the two biggest barriers for golf for um, folks who are like in that like fresh out of college age um, are time and money and they are they're really discerning about both of those and so if you can make golf less expensive and make it uh, take less time you're going to help break down those barriers and get more people into it at a younger age i agree with that all that completely it's it's i think it's something that that and it was interesting to hear um uh, 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 Kylan talk about it because they have programs for kind of young adults and stuff that they're trying to work on with Colwood where you come out, have a beer, go play a little nine hole putt putt or whatever. Um, just it, It's interesting that you get that a lot at, at uh, country clubs where they have incentives for under 40 year old members because, you know, to, to be brunt, you're going to live longer and they want under 40 members because it, yeah. you know, balances out the age pool of, of your, uh, your membership group. But you don't see that a lot at public courses in terms of roping more people into the game. And I think there's a lot of people like Taylor and I'm, I'm kind of the same way. Like I grew up 
playing golf as a kid is fun, but then you, I got into team sports. I didn't play as much in high school. Definitely didn't play a ton in college just because you're kind of out of sight, out of mind for me in college. Yeah. And then I get done with college, and as we've highlighted on the on the past episodes, you're like, all right, what am I going to do now? I cut, I want to stay active. I'm not going to go play rec basketball because I'm going to tear an ACL. Like, what? All right, beer league softball is fun for a little bit, and then you worry about some, you know, popping into Kiwis or something. It's like, what am I going to do? And that's where golf for me. I'm the same way. I really picked it up after college because you're looking for that outdoor activity to hang with friends, do something uh, to stay competitive. And so, I, anything that golf courses. Um, and local areas can do to get more of that kind of young 20s, late 20s crowd out to start playing more golf, especially as people, I mean, you think you're out of college, you get a job, you start making money, you got a little expendable income potentially for the first time in your life, hey, go buy a set of golf clubs and start playing golf. So I think I th- it's great. I think a big part of it too is that we need to continue working on is the the social part of it, the camaraderie part of it. You know, all those things you talked about, like playing in a softball league or something. The reason most people do that is not because they're passionate about softball. They're doing it because no. they're passionate about hanging out with their friends right co-workers or friends exactly whatever. and so it's very easy i would imagine most people that's why they join a softball league yeah um some people play kickball which i think is hilarious but <laughs> um but like the reason they do that is because they they're seeking social engagement right with their they want to hang out with their friends and golf again it's just it's by nature an individual sport you're hitting your ball it's your shot but if you can do things and like spark golf does this where um, my friend Charlie was very intentional about let's build something that isn't, isn't just about you and your ball and your shot. It's a teammate where you can say, Hey, I'm playing in this league. Do you want to join? You want to be my teammate? Let's go play. It makes it much easier for you to say, yeah, why not? I'll go and play. Right. Um, and so if you can work on things like camaraderie, friendship, social, those, those sort of buzzwords, I feel like those are the things that are going to, that are going to hook the younger golfers. Spot on about Beer league softball. You go to drink beer and hang out outside on a 89 degree August yeah. night. <laughs> Get music playing. You're hanging out, having fun. It's not about pursuing a career in slow pitch softball, right? You're just having fun. Uh, I'll let, I'll toss this one to you. I highlighted this when we had Kylan on, but uh, touch on some courses in Washington that are that are a day's drive. Have you played a lot of uh, Seattle area golf? Because I just I have not played a ton up there. I haven't played a ton in Seattle. Um, I've played several times at Chambers Bay. I think that if um, you know, if you want to make that trip, we talked about this with Kylan that that Chambers Bay, you can do that in a day trip. Easily. I mean, yeah, you can get up at say wheels rolling out of Portland at six, and you're on the tee at nine, um, and then you know that's plenty of time. Maybe more realistic, like tee off at ten, you're done at um, two thirty, have lunch, and you're home before it's dark. Um, so I think that's really fun. I haven't played a ton of golf in Seattle, to be honest with you. Um, I, I mean, there's a ton of golf just in Vancouver, like mm-hmm. Camas Meadows and Tri Mountain. I know you've played up there. Played up there a ton, yeah. Yeah, and so there's plenty of golf up there. Um, I think between Portland and then just creeping into Vancouver or just north of that, there's so much golf available, dude. I mean, it's like there's there's no excuse for people like, oh, I just didn't know where to go or it wasn't close enough. There's a lot of golf courses everywhere. Yeah, we I think it's a new show field trip we'll have to do. We'll get up to the Seattle area, maybe go do a live show up at Chambers Bay. I like the idea of that. That's that's on the bucket list for sure to get up there. So you haven't been up there yet? I've driven by it a million times, but I've never been to Chambers wow. Bay property. I was supposed to go when the U.S. Open uh, was there, and I ironically the house that I just sold and moved out of, I got the keys to the house. I had my press pass and everything ready to go. I got the keys to be able to move in on that like Wednesday as we were getting ready to leave. And I was like, I... So you moved boxes instead of I going to the U.S. Open. I moved boxes instead of going to a U.S. Open. I went up to yeah. that tournament and it, it was it was fun. I mean, the 
it was hard to we could do a segment on on chambers bay and and maybe day trips from portland would be a cool thing to talk about um chambers bay certainly should be on that list but the the sight lines and like from a spectator standpoint it was really challenging at chambers bay so that's kind of the knock on it was that it's hard to move around as a spectator it's a hard course to walk and um i i just think that if you can get over that and you can it ends up kind of being an experience because it's hard to walk you know it kind of feels like an adventure that way sure but I, I think that Chambers is fantastic. It's it's so good. And they fixed some of the problems they had with the greens up there. And um, I haven't played it recently to, to the on those new greens, but I've heard that they're fantastic. Yeah. And so it's it's pretty easy to get a tee time. They have some off-season, shoulder-season rates because it can be kind of, kind of expensive. But if you've ever thought about doing a, a buddy's trip, like just getting three other buddies in the car for a day trip, you don't even need to spend the night somewhere. Chambers should be on that list. Absolutely. Uh, Kevin wants to know if we're going to play in the Cuties Hockey two-man shamble at Wildwood on June 5th. I have no <laughs> idea what that is, but I'm in. Uh, it's the Little Cuties Hockey Club. It's a Talk about adult league sports. It's an adult league hockey team. Uh, and I, I think we might have to go do that. Two-man shamble. Wildwood. I haven't played Wildwood in a while. We'll get out there. A little two-man shamble action. We'll take home a trophy June 5th. I think you can plan on seeing us out there. It, it seems like the there's a lot of fun stuff going on at Wildwood. We need to learn more about Wildwood. Wildwood's up there. Yeah, they got some stuff up their sleeve at Wildwood. And and like that's another course that you might think sounds like it's off the grid, but it's what is it? Twenty minutes from where we're sitting right now? Not that far. Yeah, yeah. it's an easy drive to get out there, and it's kind of it's picturesque when you get out there too. It's a fun track. That first hole where you're kind of teeing downhill. It's just it's a yeah. It's a, Wildwood is an underrated, I think, local course. A, a, a very difficult walk to back to the walking point. I've learned that lesson in the hard way a few times, but an underrated course in the area. There's no uh, no doubt about that. Uh, last one, seven weeks ago, I hit a goose with my tee shot at East Moreland, which caused the ball to land proper, uh, probably 100 yards shorter than it would have if it didn't hit that bastard. <laughs> Can I re-tee with no penalty or play the ball as it lies? The goose was dead. It was a headshot. I have a buddy who has also uh, taken out a goose at East Moreland. It will happen if you have a low ball flight from time to time. It, it's there's a lot of them out there. They walk around and uh, it can be a problem occasionally. What do you go? What's your vote? You're playing this guy for money. You give him a re tee, or is he playing it as it lies? Play it as it lies. <laughs> I thought this question was going to be like, I just killed a goose. What am I supposed to do with it? Do we need to have a little like? like a little funeral for it or something, yeah. but he was more of like, hey, do, how do I re-hit my shot and you back on <laughs> That's track? That's what he's next to the thought yeah. is, where do I go from here? I, no, definitely, definitely play it as a lies. Yeah, I mean, that's it. if you hit a tree and it bounces off the tree, the goose is a part of the course of East Moreland. You kind of know that, right? I'm if gonna... Happy Gilmore has to hit it off of his shoe, <laughs> that's right. then Frankenstein's foot. <laughs> Frankenstein's foot. I think that you should have to play it as a lies. Oh, I watch out for the geese at East Moreland. That's a lesson. There's, uh, there's too many. There's a lot of them, but uh, maybe the coyotes running around Southeast Portland and will eventually scare them all off I the took course. my dog out there to run around one time to scare him off. I have a hunting dog and she scared him off and I thought, all right, we just cleared this this out and then I drove by the next day and they were all back. <laughs> <laughs> it lasted one less than one day. We're all back. Oh, dog's gone? Okay, we'll go back and land at East Moreland. It's funny. I don't know what it is about that grass at East Moreland, man, but they sure do love it and they're always there. It's thick and juicy. It is, it is thick and juicy, your story of the day. Uh, so there's the listener questions this week. Thanks as always for submitting those and uh, again, at Grip City Golf, hit us up every time or every week, I should say. Anytime you got a question, comment, concern, whatever, topic, idea, uh, fire it to us and we'll make sure to answer it. Uh, last one for you, buddy, this week. Uh, PGA Championship is next week. We'll be out with a new episode.
episode next week. Not sure yet on the timing of what day it'll be out. So I wanted to throw this out at the end of this episode. I'm not. We're not going to do picks because we're idiots and you don't want our bad gambling advice. What about Tom Hoagie? <laughs> Gamble on Tom Hoagie to finish in the top 20. What is the number one storyline your Eric Peterson is most interested in at Southern Hills PGA Championship? So mine is a two-parter and it's probably super obvious, but I... I want to know if Tiger, like, to what extent Tiger is going to show up. Mm-hmm. Sounds like he's going to play. I I think that we're all surprised the form that he was in at Augusta, and then it's like, is he going to be able to do that out of thick and juicy lies at <laughs> Southern Hills? Because that's a different kind of golf course than Augusta, and I think part of the reason why Tiger wanted to start kind of get back at it again at Augusta is because. He's familiar with it, like you've said. He's won there so many times and had so much success. He knows every every nook and cranny to that golf course. But also, he doesn't have to go down and, and dig it out of rough at Augusta. Um, and I just am really curious to see if he misses a fairway, how he's going to be able to hack it out of there and how his body will will respond to that. Um, I that that so that's my number one. That's is number like, one for is, you. Like what Tiger's going to show up and how is how is he going to play? My other one is. Is this Scotty Scheffler party still rocking and rolling? I, I mean, I, I just don't see how you could make the argument that he's not going to be in contention. But like we've talked about before, like when you see these stars go from zero, like this hockey stick graph of how quickly they go up, um, I just feel like Scotty is on that that trajectory right now. And when is that going to flatten out? Is it going to be at the end of this year? Is it going to take a couple of years for him to kind of land again? Or or is he going to still just continue to dominate? Because what he's done the last three, four months, how he's gone from nothing to the number one player in the world is pretty remarkable. So I'm really interested to see what, how he performs. I think that's a great one to keep an eye on the tiger thing. Whenever he shows up, it's a big deal, right? It's just, that's something we're all going to keep our eye on. It's hard to top those two. The only, the only one I'll add to it for, uh, to not, copy the same things uh, is Phil Mickelson that dude has been technically banned but not banned from the PGA Tour he's applied to play in the LIV we don't know how that all is going to play out is like he's a PGA Tour champion he is he uh, put his name in the hat he wants to play next week is he going to show up well he's the defending champion he's the defending champion that's a great point I took at Kiwa Island I totally forgot about that so I like how is how bizarre is that's the circumstance of like the defending champion it's like there's this huge cloud of mystery over the defending champion and he hasn't talked publicly in months it feels like he hasn't played in a tournament and forever missed the Masters obviously as we know so is Phil there is he talking what's he saying I just uh, you're talking about one of the biggest faces in the game of golf that has just disappeared over the last two months and has been very controversial. And there's a lot of golfers who have defended him and said, don't let a couple of comments ruin a legacy of 25 years. Uh, A couple of golfers who have been a little more strong, like, dude, just go if you want to go. Like, enough of this cat and mouse back and forth. So I just, how he's treated, how that goes, if he shows up, if he plays as a defending champ, to me, that's up there. And the Scotty Scheffler note, I... It, that bet was staring us in the face for the Masters, and none of us took it. Yeah. And to uh, to follow up to your question, it's staring us in the face again. He's the best player in the world, playing better than anybody in the world. Are we going to make that bet? So that's the question. I think that Phil, too, back to, to him, the other question that I have about is how he'll be received by fans. Is he going to get – are point. we going to forget about – 
what he's been going through? Are people going to be supportive of what he's been going through and be like, hey, you know what? Like you're saying, like, let's not let one thing um, define a 25 year career. Are they going to be supportive of him or are there going to be some some cackles and some and some people talking? Um, It'll be interesting to see how that goes, because Phil feeds off of that and he's always kind of been the everyman. Everyone kind of supports him. And it'll be interesting to see if that uh, if if that's what transpires at Southern Hills. I mean, you think a calendar year ago he was winning a Key Island at fifty, the oldest major champion in uh, golf history. Like one of the coolest stories. Amazing of the last story. 10 years. Facing Brooks Kepka, another yeah. question mark for next week in the final grouping. He's got the Arnold Palmer thumbs up to the crowd the entire round. Like that was that was historic, man. Yeah. That scene on eighteen. Oh, remember how insane. chaotic that was? The whole you know flock of people coming in and surrounding him, circling the green. Yeah, like that was a wild seen a key wild that was a year ago yeah and now it's like where the hell is the dude i haven't seen yeah. him in forever so i think your point on how he's fans fans loved him a year ago and he has been a you know i think he was the rival of tiger early in his career maybe not super likable but as the years have gone on the funny videos the commercials this the stuff that he has done has made himself very likable and now you have this weird twist at the end of it and it's a major championship so my, my dream scenario for next week is going to be Tiger plays well, Phil plays well, Scheffler plays well. Like, what if those guys, all three of those storylines all collide on the weekend? That that will be must-see TV. You know who my pick is? Tom Hoagie. Roy McIlroy. <laughs> Every major jelly wins one. I'm going to keep doubling down. I, think, I, I don't see any reason why he won't be He's near playing the top. good golf, man. I mean, didn't he kind of backdoor his way into to, – did he finish second at the Masters or top uh, th- top five? Second or third, one yeah. of the two. He finished I mean, great. So he, so he's in in great form. Yeah, made a run last weekend. He got hot on Sunday, uh, Saturday yeah. and Sunday. So there, there you go. There's my pick. Don't listen to it, though, because he's not going to win, and I'm a terrible gambler. Uh, there you go, episode five. Next week, a new episode. We'll get over to Jones and uh, talk to some – Awesome folks over there. Another great local company, so we're looking forward to that. Uh, get out and play some golf, even though it's raining uh, this weekend, so hopefully people can still enjoy golf. Find a window. Keep a positive attitude. <laughs> right. Go out and find a window of time and get out and play. <laughs> Thanks, as always, for tuning in, buddy. Uh, until next week. All right, man. There you go. Episode 5 of the Grip City Golf Podcast. Thanks, as always. We'll talk to you again next week. Hey, go low, folks. I hit it hard.